Good morning. It's good to be with you. We're streaming live from Rick Bonfin Ministries office here in Athens, Georgia. And looking forward to studying Hebrews with you again. Now, we're in Hebrews chapter 6. And this is famous verses 1 through 8. And it's famous because it's, uh, it's what Martin Luther calls a hard knot in the Scriptures. A hard knot. It's a reference to uh, working with wood. You know, you know how a tree grows and the tr- a tree will get a knot in the wood from a, where the limb grows out. And it's hard to cut through it. it you got to, you know, it's a hard knot. It's a hard knot in Scripture. And so, my goal this morning is to, uh, is to undo the knot for you. Okay? Because honestly, as I, I've studied this as, as uh, somebody who's, a pastor, I, I got to have an answer for this scripture, and I and I know where I stand on it, and it's not condemning, okay. Uh, this is the famous one that says uh, in verses five, and I'll read the the whole thing, but uh, in verses five and six, if they shall fall away, wait, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to open shame. So this has many times been interpreted as you can lose your salvation. Now, this scripture has put a lot of fear in believers and that makes me real angry because I don't, I don't know what you think about God or what you think about yourself, but uh, you cannot accidentally, <laughs> you cannot somehow accidentally lose your salvation. <laughs> you know, and, and this, people read this and, and take these verses and say, oh, you know, what if I've accidentally lost my salvation? I, you know, I fell into some sins, and so I must not be saved, and that's it. I'm over. I've met people like that. They really believe that they lost their salvation because they read a scripture like this, and and they they just take it, at, you know, for how they read it there, and think that they're the one that's fallen away and cannot be renewed unto repentance. It's over for them. They're done for. And honestly, if if that's the case, then none of us have a chance in this world. To be saved. I mean, just forget the whole thing. Honestly, we're wasting our time if it's that easy to lose your salvation. Okay? So, uh, so let me just uh, tell you right now that you are not the one who gets to decide if you're saved or not. Okay? And I'm not the one who gets to decide if you're saved or not. I have a biblical understanding of what it means to be saved, of how to be saved. Put your faith and trust in Jesus and His finished work on the cross and all the things there. You know, but I'm not, I'm not, you're not going to stand before me at the end. And you're not going to stand before yourself. And we have a good God. Uh, and so don't think that somehow uh, this, this verse is meant to put you down. In fact, I'll go ahead and tell you where I'm going with it. 
If I believe with all my heart, if you read this scripture correctly, it argues for the exact opposite. It actually is an argument against being able to lose your salvation. And actually, it's trying to say that you can't. So as an Arminian, I grew up a Wesleyan, right? I grew up in the Methodist church. Wesleyan, I'm an Arminian, free will, okay? But I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm about 99.9% of Calvinist when it comes to eternal security at this point in my life. I'm pretty much there. You know, I got that 0.1% that just doesn't want to go over to the other side, I guess. <laughs> but, but I mean, I've, I've read the Bible a lot. You know, like, for instance, a verse like John 10, 27-29. Let me just read this to you to put your mind at peace. Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I mean, the Lord says, once you belong to Him, nobody can take you away. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. And now I've let you know where I'm going, where, I, where, I'm, where I'm headed. And then, let me see if I can get us there. So, verses uh, 1 through uh, 1 and 2 and 3 sort of follow what Pastor Rick was teaching yesterday where uh, Paul or the writer or whoever uh, is saying that we're not going to try to rebuild the same doctrinal principles we've already, we've already gone through with you. Okay? We're not going to keep feeding you the same milk. Um, and so, you have to take this whole scripture in light of, it's a giant parenthesis in the middle of this Melchizedek idea. So, chapter 5, verse 1 through verses 10 introduces Melchizedek. Now, verses 11 of chapter 5 all the way through the end of chapter 6 is a really big parenthesis in the middle of the Melchizedek argument. And the argument that we learned yesterday from Pastor Rick is that you have the Levitical priesthood and then you have the Melchizedek order of priesthood. And the Melchizedek order, which is the one that Jesus is in, is greater than the Levitical order, which was Aaron and all the sacrifices of the animals. And you have to read the whole book and understand that it's trying to establish the concept that Jesus under the Melchizedek order of priesthood has a once-for-all sacrifice as opposed to the Levitical priesthood which has repetitive sacrifices day after day, year after year established in Leviticus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 and so forth where it talks about all the sacrifices and, and all the priesthood and, and all of that. Right? And so... There's people that came in to this group of believers and said, you know, you have to merge Jesus and the Aaronic priesthood together. And so, essentially what, what these believers were trying to be tempted to believe was that when they sin, 
then essentially Jesus is in heaven being re-crucified in the throne room. That is what these people were teaching, these believers, okay? Because their understanding of forgiveness of sins was a re- was based on repetitive sacrifices, okay? The repetitiveness of sacrificing over and over again. The argument, if you got to, this is one of those books where you can't just read this verse and take it out of context. You can't take it out of the whole book and just say, oh, you know, I've, I've sinned, I've fallen away, and that's it, it's over. You can't do that. You have to, you, this is one of those that requires you to chew on it. You know, we've, 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 we've pulled a lot of the white meat off of this turkey, and now we're not on the bones. Okay? Today we've got to gnaw on the bone a little bit. So, now, so this whole Melchizedek idea is the meat. It's not the milk. It's the meat. So you've got to chew on this meat a little bit. You can't just be a weak Christian to read this and say, Oh, I guess I lost my salvation. That means you don't understand salvation yet. If you read this scripture and think that, come on now. God is not going to dangle eternal salvation in front of you and then, and then pull it away because, because you have a thought during the Lord's Prayer. Come on. What kind, of God is, what kind of God do you see in the scriptures? Okay. So, now, Paul... And whoever else is writing this book, okay? We say Paul because whether he wrote it himself or not, Paul is behind it, okay? That, that I'm sure of. So I'm just going to say Paul, okay? And, and if, if you disagree, that, that's fine, but I love you anyway, and you love me. Therefore, verse 1, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, okay? Perfection means... We don't lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of doctrine of baptism, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection from dead, and of eternal judgment. In other words, if you've been a Christian for ten years, you should know something about repentance from dead works. You should know, you should know about faith. You should know about the doctrine of baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You should know something about when you lay hands on people and pray for them, they can be healed. You should know something about the resurrection from the dead, that there will be a resurrection. You should know about the eternal judgment already. We shouldn't be explaining this all over again. And if you, and, and if, if, if you keep coming to church and every Sunday all you want to hear is how you're, you know, the same sermon to make you feel good, then you're not growing. And so Paul is mad with the milkman, as Pastor Rick said. And this we will do if God permit. In other words, I'm trying to get you guys to move on towards this stuff so that you're not second-guessing your salvation all the time so that you can be useful in the kingdom. And that's what we want for you, all of you watching here. I'm coming strong just because I love you and I'm kind of gnawing on this bone a little bit and I hope that you're encouraged to, to think differently about this passage of Scripture. So, so... In other words, Paul says, it's impossible for those who were once enlightened to have tasted the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh. So, 
there's five things listed here that the believer experiences. Okay? First, you're enlightened. Refers to those who have accepted the light of the gospel. Okay, so we have all sorts of imagery of John, right? The gospel of John, the light has come into the world, right? The true light that gives life to every, to every person. So, you've been enlightened to see the grace of God that comes through Jesus. You have tasted the heavenly gift, the heavenly grace, the gift of God. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the heavenly gift. Go read Go read Paul's sermon in Acts chapter 2. It refers to the Holy Spirit as the gift of God that was promised. That's the Holy Spirit. You've tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It says clearly right there. Tasted the good word of God is not language that is used of an impenitent sinner as some claim. The unsaved have no... Re- have no relish whatsoever of the truth of God and see no beauty in it. In other words, if you're, not a, if you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus, then the Word of God just doesn't make any sense to you. You don't understand how beautiful it is. There's no savor of the Word of God. And the powers of the world to come refers to the work of the Holy Spirit within hearts and lives, which the unsaved cannot know, cannot have or know. So this is talking about people who are saved. So one of the classic interpretations, and so I'll I'll reference that now, is that this falling away idea, which is about to be referenced, is actually talking about people who weren't fully saved to begin with. But that's not true. Okay, as you read it, I mean, you talk about people who are saved. Okay, so now let's talk about verse 6, the falling away idea. So if they shall fall away. Now this is where we've got to get a little bit technical and look at some Greek stuff because it's important. Now, the word fall away, it's a verb, and it's used one time in the entire Bible, and it's used right here in Hebrews 6.6. 6. It's uh, Strong's number 3895, if you're someone who likes to go look in the Strong's Concordance and look up uh, the lexicon and, and, and read about that. Uh, and it says, refers, uh, the idea is fall away, fall back, to, to fall into, okay? So you kind of fall to the side. So you're going down a path and you sort of fall to the side, okay? And this is not the same word as apostasy that's used in other parts of the Bible, which is which is a clear distinction to someone who has made a conscious choice to reject Jesus. Okay? Somebody who's made a conscious choice to reject Jesus and His work on the cross and now salvation and forgiveness of sins that He offers. Okay? This is a much softer term. It means you're kind of going along and you sort of find yourself suddenly life as circumstances have come upon you and you you sort of fall to the side of the narrow path for a time. And so my question to you is, if that happens... Now, basically what, what was happening was the Judaizers were coming in and saying, 
Well, if you have fallen into sins, then you have to get resaved. And actually what Paul is trying to say is, no, if you fall to the side for a time because life comes at you, you make some bad decisions, you don't lose your salvation and you don't have to get resaved because if you do that, you're re-crucifying Jesus. Are you with me? So Paul is actually arguing the opposite. He's saying, no, you don't lose your salvation when you go through a difficult time in life. I mean, God is so gracious and merciful. Look, if King David can commit adultery, assassinate Uriah, count the census so that 70,000 Israelites are killed by the plague, have you ever had a sin that caused 70,000 people to die? I mean, Lord have mercy. Now, if King David can do all that, but still retain the favor of God, are you telling me that because you fall away, because you go through some hard circumstances, you make some bad choices, that God is just going to leave you? Read the Bible, please. God is not unmerciful. He, we have a high priest who can identify with our weakness. That's what, that's what the whole thing is saying. Is that God knows that we're weak and we're going to, so to speak, have times of falling away, but we don't have to get resaved. We don't re-crucify Jesus. Our salvation is still intact even when we go through those times. Stop letting the devil play with your mind. You're wasting your time. And you're, you're being taken out of the game. You can't, you can't be good in the kingdom because you're just thinking about yourself and afraid that God's mad at you and you're going to lose your salvation. Okay, am I preaching pretty good here? Yes, you are. I mean, this, this Scripture makes me mad when, when, people, when, when, when people are made to think that, that they have to be afraid that they're going to lose their salvation. I mean, come on. You think Jesus is going to die on the cross? And go through all that in the house of Caiaphas be beaten to a bloody pulp so that he's barely recognizable? Scripture says, Isaiah 53, I mean, he, was, he couldn't recognize him. That was the prophecy. It was fulfilled in Caiaphas' house. Spent, spent that night being, being bludgeoned by those soldiers. You think he's going to carry that cross so that so that somehow after you get saved, that it's going to be that easy? No, you come on. Don't do that to the cross. So these Judaizers are coming in and, and trying to make, make all these believers doubt that they were still saved. They were trying to get them to connect to this idea that, that the constant sacrifices that were established in Leviticus now are fulfilled in Jesus and that He's constantly being crucified in the throne room of heaven. What kind of God is that? Lord, have mercy! That is not the God of the Bible. <laughs> and so, as this parenthesis is going to come to a close, and I'm going to move on here, and, and we'll, you know, I've, I've, I've preached, uh, I've really preached to you, but I think I did an okay job. I prayed a lot. I said, Lord, help me do this, because I... I you know, sometimes as a pastor, as a preacher, you got something in your heart that's burning and you just pray it comes out right. And I didn't really make a lot of notes because uh, I didn't want this 
I, I wanted it to come from my heart because it's in my heart. You know, I, I get mad about this scripture when when it's read the wrong way, and it's used to oppress Christians. Okay, so do not be afraid that you have to come to repentance again and re-crucify Jesus when you fall into sin, when you fall by the wayside. Because it's not talking about apostasy here. The, the verb is so much softer. It's, it's a different word than apostasy. It's just you fall to the side. You go through a hard time in life. So then verse 7, 8, and 9, 10, all the way through 12, he's exhorting the believers to make a distinction here between uh, who they are and uh, and who are those who are um, really poisoned in their mind in the way they think. For the earth which drinks in the rain that comes oft upon it and brings forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessing from God. Okay? Presents the inevitable results of proper faith. In other words, presents the apostle, use, apostle using natural things to represent spiritual realities. Okay? So, the rain falls on the earth and it brings forth blessings from God. Okay? So, it's making a distinction. As the Word has fallen upon believers and they've come to repentance and faith, it's going to bring forth blessings. Alright? It's an inevitable result. It will happen. It's, it's not something that we have to force to happen or that it's, it's in our control to make it happen. Okay, But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. In other words, the whole concept here is you'll know them by their fruits. Okay, Fruits does not mean do you have sin or not. If that was fruits, then none of us have fruits. <laughs> you know, we, we, we've all sinned and, and after we get saved we still keep struggling with it and trying to overcome. So it's... It, it's not talking about sins. It's talking about are you moving toward, forward toward perfection and are you living a life where God is, God is moving and God is, God is empowering you and, and, and you're seeing people saved through your ministry or through your life and do you have a prayer life? Are you seeing God work and move and, 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 and do things in your family? See, we focus on our sins so fast. And that's not the measure here. That's not the measure. The blessings are from God. So it's making a distinction. And it's saying, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. In other words, you're not the thorns and briars. That's what he's, getting, that's what he's trying to get these believers to understand. Stop letting these Judaizers come in this, these thought processes that try to get you to overanalyze yourself, okay, and put the focus on you and analyze your own sins and think that you're a briar when you're actually a blessing from God. Now, let me say that again. Let me say that again. That's one of the, that's one of the most dangerous tactic to the devil is to get a believer to be convinced that they are a briar and a thorn when actually they're a blessing. 
And so, you see, you don't get to decide for yourself if you're a briar or if you're a blessing. That We have such a hard time with that. Somehow we convince ourselves that we get to decide if we're a blessing or if we're a briar. Are we, are, are we a, a beautiful plant that's bringing forth flowers for the kingdom or are we a thorn? And we somehow think that we have the power to decide that. No! Only God does that. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then God says, you're a flower. And you're not a thorn if you just because you think of yourself as a thorn. You, the, the way you think about yourself, that's, that's, don't try to tell God you're a thorn. And God's going to look at you and say, I'm tired of hearing that stuff. I keep trying to tell you you're a flower. I need to give you some new glasses. So we can't tell God who we are. God tells us who we are. And so that's what he's saying. All these guys trying to think that way, if you think that you have to re-crucify Jesus and get saved every time you sin, that's briar thinking. That's thorn thinking. And that's the Judaizers. And he's saying, but that's not you guys. You guys, we, we, we persuaded better things, things that accompany salvation. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work of, and labor of love. That's what I've been saying, right? What do you think of God? You think God is just suddenly going to brush you to the side? No. Which you have showed toward His name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Woo! Man, I'm ready for the day now. Now, it's going to return to this in uh, chapter 11, right? So you can just kind of put a bookmark in your mind where it says uh, uh, here, Be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So, kind of put a tack in that because that's going to return in chapter 11. Okay? Talking about the hall of faith. And all the people in the Old Testament and New Testament who, who had faith in God. And a lot of them that are going to be listening to the Hall of Faith weren't perfect. Rahab is listed. Right? The prostitute. A lot of the people that are going to be listening to that Hall of Faith aren't perfect. And so, um, and then, then think about uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 19. See, the whole, the whole concept here is that Judaizers came, came in and tried to get these believers to second-guess that they're even saved. Yes, yes. Yes. And the whole book is trying to get them to say, stop listening to these guys. They're poisoning your minds, and they're destroying your confidence in Christ. And so, it's re- and so the whole book is trying to restore the... The, the excellency of Jesus, who He is, and the full assurance of faith we have, so that by the time we get to verse 19, it says, Having therefore, brethren, I mean, I'm sorry, verse 19 of chapter 10, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, 
and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. We don't have to doubt that we can come into the presence of God through Jesus and what He did on the cross. And we don't have to doubt that our sins anymore they're co- aren't covered. They're totally covered by the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus. That's where it's going. Philippians 1.6, Paul says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That concept there is found throughout the book of Hebrews that the working out of our salvation is an act of God. It's not an act of ourselves. And any time we begin to take it on and try to make it, we are working out our own salvation, we are working ourselves into perfection, then we are making ourselves vulnerable to the danger of uh, self-righteousness, of pride, of um, criticizing ourselves when we fail, because ultimately we're going to, if, if it's up to us to work out our own salvation. It is God who works in us to work out our salvation by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, now I kind of, I kind of jumped off and, and just sort of preached a little bit at you at the end there. You know, but I wanted to bring in some other stuff because, it, because I wanted to support the Scripture to say that, that, that you've got to understand this in the context of the whole book of Hebrews and in the context of the rest of the Bible. Okay? You can't pluck this verse out of here and just, and just say, oh, you know, I can lose my salvation. Yes, yes. And then I can't be saved again. So, uh, thank you for listening. I'm going to close there. I uh, hope that you were encouraged this morning. And uh, I hope I did a good job, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. By the way, if you're anywhere near Noonan, Georgia, at 7 p.m. tonight, we will be at Noonan City Church, 6.30 snacks, 7 p.m. service. We hope to see you there, Noonan City Church, tonight at 7 p.m. for a special service in Noonan, Georgia. Have a great day. God bless you. Cresce em beleza, força e luz. Rosa de Sarol, queima impureza do meu ser. Yeah.